What is up, Lilac City, and welcome back to Spokecast. Today on the podcast, I have Casey Lawrence, aka Cool Aunt Casey, and this was just an unexpected, fabulous conversation that I, I had with Casey about a month ago. She is just an amazing person who started her Instagram account, Cool Aunt Casey, years ago about featuring food in Coeur d'Alene, and then it kind of expanded from that, but... She's also adopted. She grew up in Spokane, and her family has just a rich history in our city. Uh, her great-great-grandfather, Gustav A. Pearson, was a builder and architect and worked primarily with uh, Kirk Kirkland Cutter in his early years and then became a, an amazing architect and builder in his own right. He helped design and build the Paulson Center. Uh, I think he was the main architect on that, and we just had this... An, awesome conversation just about her journey and getting to where she is today. Uh, she's a really, really cool person. She's a really, really cool person. And I'm very excited for you to listen to this conversation with her. Um, but before we get into the show, here's an ad read from my my main sponsor, Maine Market Food Co-op. Maine Market Food Co-op was founded in 2010 with just 700 member owners. In the last 13 years, it has become a vibrant part of downtown Spokane with over 9,000 member owners today. Its focus is on equal respect for its consumers, producers, and the environment. Main Market is dedicated to offering the highest quality foods with the smallest footprint while supporting the strength of our local food economy. As a full-service grocery store, bakery, deli, Main Market Food Co-op is your one-stop shop for all of your grocery needs. They have a produce section that features local in-season fruits and veggies, and their bulk department offers a wide selection of teas, spices, grains, dried fruits, and snacks. They also have an impressive selection of refrigerated dairy and the largest selection of local eggs you'll find in Spokane. And when it comes to their deli, Main Market has you covered with everything from an extensive salad bar, has a breakfast bar, it has a lunch bar, and they make four made-from-scratch soups daily. And to top it all off, they have a full-service burrito bar. So whether you're looking for a delicious meal or just a well-stocked grocery store, Main Market Food Co-op is the place for you. And make sure when you go there, grab their co-op deals flyers when you visit for the best prices on their featured grocery items. And if you become a co-op member today save an extra 10% off on all of those co-op deals. So go visit Main Market Co-op. They're right across the street from me at Main and Brown in downtown Spokane. As always, this podcast could not be done without my amazing Patreon supporters, the Spokastonites, and they are Joe Van Voorhis, Elizabeth Geyer, Abby Pointer, Lee Wick, Gina Campbell, Tyler Poole, Sarah Thorpe, Judy Pointer, Zach Hawkins, Amber Sparks, Luke Baumgarten, Valerie Osier, Alex Leia, Nick Spanger, and Elizabeth and Bill Pointer. Thank you all again so much for being Patreon supporters, Spokastonites. If you want to support what I'm doing here, go to patreon.com slash Spokast. Well, I will not keep you any longer. Here is Casey Lawrence, a.k.a. Cool Aunt Casey on Instagram. This is Spokast. Are we recording right now? Yes, we're recording. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we started. And I should say, I've already prefaced you with like, uh, prefaced like who you are in the beginning of the podcast. Okay, perfect. Going a little bit like just about who you are, um, topical, but like, uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, Cool Aunt Casey on Instagram. I mean, how, how did you come up with that handle? Well, so. I started originally uh, in, I was living in Coeur d'Alene at the time when mm. I started this Instagram. And so my handle started as CDA Menu. Mm. And so I 
wanted to showcase more restaurants and more of the food scene in North Idaho because I realized that there wasn't really anybody doing that. Right. And I was living out there at the time. And so I started that handle and, um, and it was really, really fun. It took off really quickly. It gave me a reason to eat more. Mm-hmm. Like, like we all need that. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, it was a really fun way to just meet people in the foodie community um, and to just take pictures of food because, like, what's not fun about that? So, does that still exist? C- it, oh, C- it doesn't. Oh, okay. It doesn't. That yeah. was like the first iteration of Casey on on Instagram in, in that way. And so, you know, life things happened. I moved back to Spokane, which is where I was raised, mm-hmm. and changed it to Cool Aunt Casey to give me a little bit more of a generalized platform. Yeah. Because I started the, the account and gained 20 pounds like instantly because <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm just eating constantly. I need to like figure this out. <laughs> um, and so I had a bit of a, a handle change and decided to focus more on like lifestyle mm. and fashion and food and events and just like all things Spokane mm-hmm. with an asterisk because I like to talk about Post Falls and Liberty Lake and yeah. Coeur d'Alene and a little bit of, you know, from here to there. It's like a, it's, it, we're very regional here in like this, this part of the, the country. I feel like, I mean, especially in Spokane and Coeur d'Alene, like I know they, they, we are very separated by that border and I, there is like that, there is a different vibe in each place, but like, 100%. At, but at the same time, like we can all go and experience if you live in Spokane, experience things in Coeur d'Alene yeah. and vice versa. And like, and I love that, like, when, especially when, like, influencers and people who are trying to do stuff like that or maybe, like, trying to pigeonhole themselves, like, into, like, a certain type of, like, influencer, like, they end up spreading out and doing it, like, doing all things because, like, everything should be explored, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the feedback that I got because at first I thought, oh, there's nobody out here doing this, specifically mm. in Coeur d'Alene. And then I realized, okay, I'm going to saturate this pretty darn quick. And then what do I do? Go back for seconds and thirds <laughs> everywhere. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's why I, I changed the handle um, and went more with the cool ant vibe. So I don't know if you've heard of that concept before. I I've heard of the cool ant concept. Concept. I don't. I never. Ha- I mean, I don't have any cool ants, and I, I'm not. I don't think any of my ants who I who. I don't think any of them listen to this. I have never, I've never been, I've never been blessed with a, with a cool ant. So are you a cool ant then? Or? I mean, I'd like to think so. I think it's kind of like tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's like calling yourself cool. Totally. But, um, so I, I don't have kids. Oh, mm-hmm. All my friends have kids and, um, I kind of cool, call myself the cool ant yeah. because I'm seriously just like. I think the term cool aunt is almost like grandma adjacent in some ways mm. because I like always have candy and I'm always like, hey, do you guys want to go get ice cream? Do you want to go shopping? What do you want to do? Because I want to go do that, too. Yeah. Because I don't have kids. So it's like I never get sick of anybody else's kids. Right. And I always tell my friends like, hey, I'm the free babysitter. Like, come on over to Aunt Casey's and we'll do tie dye and we'll do we'll make cookies and do all the stuff that your parents probably don't want to clean up after. And so I'm <laughs> right. like, come on over. So. Anyway, that's just kind of like a, a term that I've coined a little bit myself, yeah. but it's taken off. Like, you know, when people see, probably see you out in public, they're like, oh, the Spocast guy. Yeah. Or, right. So you're totally. You're almost like, you kind of have to decide for yourself, like, 
how do I actually want to be referred to in public? Totally, yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where it came came from is that, you know, I'm – um, I, I, I'm not a mom, but I have, you know, my nieces and nephews. I mm-hmm. like to travel and kind of do all the like cool aunt types of things and buy gifts and always like just be fun all the time. Yeah. So that's kind of like me, my persona and my Instagram kind of all wrapped in one. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, going back to like your beginnings here in Spokane, uh, yeah. You were raised here in Spokane, and you were you were adopted. Uh, yes. Where were you born originally? Yeah, I was I was born in Honolulu. Oh actually. wow! Yeah, Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, and I was there, I think, for the first couple years of my life. Mm. Um, and I was adopted by a family here in Spokane. Mm-hmm. And um, so from the time I was two and a half until now also with an asterisk because I've kind of moved away here and there, but have come back as many Spokenites do. You know, yeah. we leave and we always find our way back. Um, but yeah, so I grew up here um, on the South Hill. So like Lincoln Heights, Chase, <laughs> Ferris, like that whole um, group up there. And yeah, so the District 81 crew. Totally. <laughs> and anytime I go to the South Hill, it's like if you go to Trader Joe's or you go to Rockwood Bakery, you're guaranteed to see people that you know. Yeah, definitely. What is the, there's like, well, there's so many, well, I used to go to Studio K. Oh, yeah. All the time. And like, yep. especially like when it was on 37th. 29th. 20, or 29th, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and whenever we went there, and my wife also went to Ferris, like it was always like a high school reunion for her. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, no, it is funny. Like whenever, like the same with, I go, when I go up North, I'm from the North side. Mm -hmm. If I go to like fizzy mulligans, like that's like a high school reunion every weekend. If I, if I was to go there, uh, but it's fun to like go because like I live in Millwood now and like Millwood is popping. It is. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it, it really is. And, but when you go to those places, I, if you hang out with anyone that's like went to West Valley, yeah. it's the same for them. Like, and so I love how, like, when people who don't leave Spokane, mm-hmm. like, end up, like, leaving that part of town that they grew up in and then going back. It's like a time capsule, really. For <laughs> sure. And, like, and you know this since you grew up here that we are, we have very strong allegiances to the areas of town that we grew up in. Totally, yeah. So before we started this, I was just kind of telling you that I, um, <clears throat> I live in the Valley now and that was a very, very hard like transition for me totally to move off away from like Spokane down or to move away from like South Hill downtown mm-hmm. to like go anywhere east of like Freya I'm like mm, <laughs> that's like a new city name and yeah so yes I, I get what you're saying I well I don't I I've gotten try to like get get rid of the stigma because I've never when I was younger I never really enjoyed the valley yeah uh and I I the Valley has all these different, like, awesome pockets and really cool places to go to that I'm still exploring. But, like, being in, even in Millwood, like, I don't really f- feel like it's Valley proper. I know mm-hmm. it's a it's a Valley zip code, but I still, like, I feel like I'm in the center of it all. Like, everything from where I live is literally, like, 15 minutes away from me. It's so like Northside, downtown, Valley. It's, like, it is. Like, it's a nice little central area that I can get everywhere really quickly. It's totally true because at first I thought, okay, what am I doing out here? This is, like, purgatory. But um, it's, like, 
10 minutes down the road from the Idaho border so you can get to Cordline super fast, yeah. depending on how fast you drive. <laughs> and then I've seriously come downtown like five days a week for whatever reason, mm. and it's not bad at all. And like you say, you can get out north too yeah. with going down like Bigelow Gulch, and mm-hmm. it's like you're at Green Bluff in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. What was your uh, like upbringing like here, like being adopted and like coming here? Like how was that for you? Yeah, that is such a good question because – So from the time that I can even remember, like, being really, really little, my childhood, I feel like, was uncharacteristically Spokane in some Mm. ways. And I say that because we grew up uh, in this pocket. And I say we, so I have an adopted brother as well. So Mm. my um, background, I'm Vietnamese. Mm. And then my adopted brother is Korean. And my parents, they chose to adopt us. And so they adopted my brother when he was three and a half. And he was born in Korea. And then they adopted me when I was two and a half. And um, and so we were walking and talking, maybe not the same language as my parents here. Mm-hmm. But um, they got us like, you know, kind of as fully functioning little people, you know. Totally, like toddlers, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so the block that we grew up on was extremely multicultural so Mm. we had next door neighbors um who had four adopted children two of them were um black and they were from new york city Mm. and they adopted them i think as like mm, like seven or eight Mm. and then they had two um adopted girls who were special needs from India. Mm. And then down the street, we had a Filipino family. And then another house down, we had a family that had adopted um, a Vietnamese baby. And so seriously, this is within the span of like five houses on each side of the street. And so that's what I grew up in. Yeah, that's unique, I feel like. Incredibly unique, (laughs) even for now. Yeah. But this was like the late 80s. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, for us, it was... That was just growing up, you yeah. know, and it was fun. It was, I would say we were like middle class, lower to middle class, but for us, it was just life, you know, and yeah. I grew up in a family of, um, so my dad, he spent his whole career working for public television mm. and um, producing and directing and um, like KSPS. Oh, you know, like KSPS. Yeah, yeah. The KSPS. Well, it's like right there on the hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he um, did that for his entire career. Wow. Um, for like forty years, and then my mom, she raised my brother and I um, until. Uh, we were probably hmm, maybe high school, and then she went back to school, and um, she had originally gotten a graphic design uh, degree um, straight out of high school, and then after that, uh, she got, or I guess when my brother and I were a little more grown up, she got her teaching degree, and then she was an elementary school teacher for oh, like 20 years. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. so like that's the type of background that I come from, so a lot of like civil service and mm-hmm. a lot of just like... Doing the right thing. Yeah, like commu- <laughs> like commu- like being a part of the community. Obviously, Absolutely. like I mean, your your dad working at KSPS, like that's a very it's a community driven platform, and like yes. he, and I'm sure he has a like a very big heart for all of that. That's awesome. Yes, like yes. that's so cool. I, I'm a graphic designer by trade, and uh, that's uh it's interesting that your mom went to school for that i mean just because like that was probably back in the 80s when when she did that and like totally different world like no computers or anything so (laughs) no and i think that being that it was at that time 
Um, it really lent uh, her to be able to do a lot of freelance type projects mm. and art type projects. So um, there was back in that time. So like in the 90s, there was the Uptown Opera, which turned into the Spokane Opera. Oh, yeah. And she did costuming for them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so she designed costumes. And then also for my dad up at KSPS, she designed a lot of their sets mm. um, and and costumes and things like that. And my dad would recruit me to do voiceovers for like the kids programming and stuff like that. So I've always been, you know, pretty comfortable just like <laughs> talking because I was kind of like voluntold into it. Volunt <laughs> you know, I heard that term for the first time the other day, like uh, being voluntold. And I was like, I, I love that term. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's cool. Uh, I mean, I, I, that, that explains a lot of like, I mean, your Instagram uh, profile, like, uh, and like how you're into all these things and like wanting, to, like, and doing crafts and all that. Like, my, I, it's funny, I'm not much of a, an arts and crafts person, but my wife is, uh -huh. and my kids do all this stuff. Like, they love doing arts and crafts and like, but then I'm the community part of that where I'm like making my kids do podcasts with me and like, and like, I think it really does, like, it makes for, like, when you raise children like that, they end up wanting to be a, part of the community more when they grow up obviously because it's just yes. instilled in you right <laughs> absolutely like some of my fondest memories as a kid was going to the library and my brother and I would max out our you know checkouts and it would be like 40 books a week and we would just <laughs> blast through them and and so even to this day that's like the smell of the library and stuff is like super nostalgic for me totally that, that, I mean did you, were you going going up to the library on the 29th and is that Perry? Perry, yeah. Yeah, and then I feel like there was an oh the Manitou Library. Oh, the Manitou. Uh -huh, Do you remember yeah. that? I I I remember I remember it. I don't remember ever going into it, but I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right up there. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of like our weekly, you know, outing, and we would go to a lot of parks and and things like that as kids. So like Spokane is is definitely home for me like, mm. for so many reasons. Totally. So after, I mean, so you went to high school at Ferris uh -huh. and then uh, what was high school like? Was it, a, was it a pretty normal high school? Yeah, it was a pretty career? normal high school. I mean, the first couple years I was in, um, I like played the violin and mm. um, was, you know, just, I was still in that phase. I, I, I talk about this phase a lot because mm. I, I'm just so scared this phase is coming back where like we all had the bangs that were like this. <laughs> the, like the rolling, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I I'm know. I'm pretty sure that's when you met your wife. She <laughs> yes. probably had that hairdo. <laughs> She, she, you know what? She never did. Um, okay. but I knew a lot of girls that had it. <laughs> so like, uh, for the first couple of years I had those bangs. I had the flare jeans, mm. oh, yeah. um, braces, glasses. It was like very quintessential, like high school of that era. Totally. Um, I always joke. No, but but I was gonna say that style is coming back. I was telling Abby this, just this weekend. I was just like, yeah. I feel like all the bad styles of the 90s are coming back and or, and the early 2000s are coming back. And it's starting to scare me because, like, I don't like that style. Uh, yes. And, like, <laughs> I've seen the memes and stuff on Instagram of the, like, kids from our era who got the Jinko jeans. And, like, the parents said, well, only 
get you these jeans if we can take pictures of you. And <laughs> if your kids ever get Jinko jeans or anybody's kids, take the pictures of them because in like 10 years, it'll be incredibly mortifying. Yes. And, um, yeah. I had them. <laughs> right? Yeah. And if you can find any pictures of you in the Jinko jeans, oh, oh man. my goodness. It was a time. It was a time. You know, we photo like taking photos back then where it was like you had to like I mean you it was on film so like you didn't oh, have yeah. digital yet and whenever you took photos like you'd come back with like on like a roll of 36 you might have like 10 photos that were any good and like and like now you can just access like years worth of photo photos that you've taken through like through at least on for me for through apple but like if you go back before like 2005 yeah. Uh, there's this, I can't, you have to go back and and, do, and and look at all the scrapbooks my mom put together. And I don't know where those are at right now. <laughs> when you find them, it's going to be so fun. Oh, no and, kidding. And I found a shoebox of my old photos that <laughs> I took, like literal photos from the disposable cameras. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got them developed at Shopco, RIP, and um, threw all <laughs> these photos in a box. And now it's, that is literally a time capsule. And I think that was the time too, where we were all like handwriting each other notes and mm. handing them back and forth in the hallways. And so I have a box of, all of these notes that you know we all wrote to each other and I don't know at what point I'm going to bring those out but <laughs> it's so funny because there was this one guy who used to write me notes all the time and I recently like went out on a date with him <laughs> like a few weeks ago and oh I, wow and I brought it up and I was like do you remember this and he's like oh my gosh no I don't and so if that ever goes anywhere where did like, the notes say there's like was he just, kind of confessing his love to you no no because there's there were, we were like writing notes every that's oh. and that was like texting from back then oh it was like know? texting yeah so it was just like hey how's your day going i did uh, this today it was just like oh God, a little yeah, no journal kidding. and it's i'm sure that's mortifying i hope nobody has any notes that i wrote <laughs> them i you know what's funny i was like i never did I, I i was such a i was so nervous about talking to girls when i was like in early high school and junior high like because i always would get rejected and yeah. i just like i never really like did that and like i kind of i actually kind of i kind of missed on missed out on that like i wrote a girl this is, i think what happened was in sixth grade i wrote a girl a note and i said i gave her it was so dumb i gave her i made this little heart out of aluminum foil and i took the the, the center out <laughs> and i like said and i said uh I have a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. Oh and then I gave it to her. And if she filled it in, then like that meant we were going to. And I like it was obviously the creepiest thing in the world for the sixth grade girl to get it. I'm sorry, Holly Coleman. And <laughs> and and yeah, I think I got rejected. I was just like, well, this isn't I mean, this is never happening again. Right. My lo <laughs> love is not the cards for me forever. <laughs> That's funny. So after high school, like, did you go to college or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I went to Western Washington oh, University nice. um, and it was great. I mean, I went there for four years. I got a business degree because I just had no idea what I wanted to do. But mm. I picked Western because it wasn't like close and it wasn't too close to home, mm. but it wasn't like a big, big school. Because I think that like my personality, I don't think I would have I, I don't think I was made for like a school with a big Greek system mm. or anything like that. So it was just like a very comfortable place for me to land. Yeah, I need to go there. My my niece just um, started her freshman year there. 
at, at Western. And so I, I uh, but I've never spent much time. It's in Bellingham, right? Yeah. I never have spent much time there. So it is such a hidden little pocket or little gem up there because it's um, like 90 miles north of Seattle, mm. but it's like 20 minutes south of the Canadian border. Yeah. So you, um, did you go to Vancouver a lot? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then just like literally right across the border, it's this little town called White Rock, and they had like three clubs up there. Oh, so, <laughs> totally. Uh, so it's cringe. Like now I've, I've seen some pictures lately <laughs> from that era and all of our hair. We So after the bangs were curled like that, it was the big like bump in the front. Mm-hmm. Which I think is now coming back as well. That, yeah, I so, think it is. Uh, yeah, so that's bad. funny. I yeah, we used to take trips up to Canada when because when we were nineteen, we you could drink up there legally, yeah. and I, that rules changed now. I think. And uh, but yeah, no, the be be that close to the Canadian border is was probably a was probably a, a big benefit, especially if you wanted to go party. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a time, and yes, totally. it was fun. And, <laughs> but yeah, after that, I graduated, and um, I graduated in like '08, and then I came back to Spokane in '09 and got a job, um, got like a normal desk job for a handful of years, mm. and then I had, uh, and then I worked out at the Coeur Resort oh, for nice. a handful of years at the golf course. Yeah. Um, and I was the golf tournament director out there for a couple of years and got it kind of into the golf industry. Yeah. And then, um, in, into event planning. And then I got recruited by, uh, Top Golf, which oh, is, the, yeah. Yeah. So I got recruited by them and, uh, moved to Portland for a couple of years and helped them open that new location. And, um, it was super fun. And then, when I was, I guess I'd been there a couple of years and had this eat, pray, love moment where my um, boyfriend at the time and I, uh, he was just teaching himself about how to be a digital digital nomad because that was kind of the trending thing. And he's like, guess what? I can work from anywhere. I just need my computer. I need to teach myself how to do something. And so he was teaching himself web design. And <laughs> that's like the gateway drug into like totally. <laughs> into digital nomading. Yeah. And he's just like, Casey, all you got to do is like quit your job. Yeah, I know it's scary. You won't have benefits and this and that. And I'm very much like type <laughs> A in so many ways. But then I was just like YOLO. So we like I quit my job at Top Golf. I like packed my stuff up and we went where all digital nomads start, which is Bali. Oh, really? oh yeah, of course. <laughs> we, we go to Bali and I think that our life is just going to be like swinging on these big swings in the jungle and all this kind of stuff. And so we get there and like three weeks into it, I'm like, I'm not going to be a vlogger for a living. Like, what am I thinking? <laughs> this is so dumb. And so... um I was looking for jobs online and like remote jobs mm. and I got remote job. jobs before remote jobs were a thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so <laughs> I found this company. The concept behind is that um, they it was a startup at the time and they put together 12 month travel programs for people who were working remotely to be able to like travel with the job that they already had but they basically took care of the logistics of traveling with a cohort of people mm. so going like from one international city to another on a month by month basis wow so for 12 months straight um i think at the time they were charging like two thousand bucks a month and they took care of like office space your apartment your flights and excursions and activities for you and all you literally had to do was show up and commit to basically living like this real world life with 30 strangers and traveling and still like doing your own job. Wow. That's right. so interesting. So this was probably like five years ago that I, so, so, okay. So when I'm looking for a job, I see that they're hiring salespeople and I'm uh, like, 
well, I'm doing literally doing nothing right now. So what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to like apply for this job and see if I get it. So we were in Bali and there are some holidays that happen there where they literally just shut off the um, electricity for like a couple days at a time. And of course, my teams and zoom interviews are happening during that time and so um, we're like where do we go so we find like this expensive hotel which is the only place that has electricity to go so i can do these interviews and then they were like okay we, you got it we want to hire you to do sales for us and then i go okay so now what and they said well fly out to mexico city next week and basically train with us for like three months and oh, wow. so my boyfriend at the time i was like Hey, you want to go to Mexico City? I know that you had this dream of being in Bali, but let's go to Mexico. Yeah. So we show up in Mexico City and we ended up being there for a handful of months and um, working for this company and met just like the coolest people who were also like 30-ish who didn't really have enough responsibilities to keep them in one place who could just <laughs> jet down to Mexico City and hang out with a bunch of other salespeople who, you know, wanted to like sell this remote digital nomad dream. Yeah. And so That's so yeah. So where did it where where else did it take you? Did did you do the full year? No, I didn't. So I, well, I was just doing the sales part for them. And okay. so we um, were working from a WeWork in Mexico City and it was like 42 floors up in like high rise. And um, it was just a bunch of us and we were, you know, on the phones all day, but also having like a ton of fun because Mexico City was also one of the cities that was on the itinerary. And so we got to basically like hang out and party mm. with our customers and our clients to show them like, hey, this program's super fun because like we're so responsible responsible during the day but we can like literally go up in a hot air balloon tonight kind of thing wow so like the stuff that the, the ads that they were originally putting on instagram to to get people to you know call and and to leave their information it was you know like really beautiful people jumping off cliffs it's like showing them at their laptop during the day and then cliff <laughs> jumping by noon and right. stuff like that but like it wasn't that far off from being like the real program yeah so um, I worked for them for a little while and um, then just kind of decided, okay, I think I've had my like traipsing around the world totally deal. And then I ended up coming back to Spokane. That's what brought you back to Spokane? Yeah. So like, what did this all like teach you about yourself? Like that you, like, cause it kind of goes in with what you're doing on your Instagram as Colin Casey is just like being adventurous. But like, I feel like, I mean, was this stepping out of your comfort zone doing all this or was it like... Or will you always have this adventurous part of you, this wanderlust, I should say? <laughs> so that's a really good question. I think I go back and forth and I have gone back and forth between being like, like crazy responsible and being like, F this, we got to go see the world. Right. So I've been like that for probably 10, at least 10 years, actually most of my life. Um, and so... Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm going to Europe later this week, and that was something I kind of planned um, like a month ago and then kind of forgot about. And so I'm just – but I also <laughs> am not that worried about it because the people that I used to work with with the travel program, half of them are over in Europe right now. Mm. So I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? And so it just like – it's so serendipitous that a lot of these things have kind of lined up. Mm -hmm. Um 
And it seems like I have a really, really fun life. But the thing is, I go to bed at like 8 p.m. every single night. <laughs> I'm fun up until like... Up until like 7.30. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like melatonin and tea. And then I get up at like 5 a.m. and do it all again. So I jam-pack my days. But I also, um, I don't go out at night. Mm. And I also, I don't drink. Mm. And so there's like a lot of like life that i probably don't experience too Mm -hmm. so the what you see on instagram is literally my real life yeah um and so i just you know like going back to what we were talking about for when it when it comes to just community service this is like the way that i feel like i can give back because i love small business i love Mm. just hearing the stories of how people start their businesses and stay in business but like i don't have I don't have it in me to start a nonprofit or to start a bakery, but I love supporting all those right. people, you know? Yeah. So so I think that like Instagram for me is my way to be able to to give back and to share. And honestly, there's nothing that gratifies me more than when people say, like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing our stuff on Instagram or whatever mm. we like, or I went there because you said something about it. And I think there's kind of a misconception about social media sometimes that mm. like or like the the motivations behind people totally, doing yeah. what they do on their account and like 98% of the stuff you see I'm doing on Instagram like I pay for with my post tax dollars and it's like a deliberate choice to go to these places mm-hmm. and in the rare chance that somebody's like oh I follow you on Instagram it's like my heart melts <laughs> like because for me it's like a hobby like when I first came in you're like so what do you do like is this your job like, <laughs> no I don't even have that many followers but the followers that I have are like real yeah for and sure they're like awesome and so that, and that that's enough for me totally I feel the same way like when I do when I do social media stuff for like, cause a lot of it is self promotion from my business, sure. but then at the same time, like community is so important to me that like, I want to make sure that I am like featuring local businesses that are doing cool things in Spokane. And I mean, that's part of this podcast as well. Um, but yeah, there is nothing better than someone telling you that they wouldn't check something out because you said so, or because, or having a business reach out to you to tell you, thank you. Like it is, it is really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I want to talk about some of those things, th- th- <laughs> those those local places that you that you love so much. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna play the Spokast Hot List. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, and these are it's a name association game that is the uh, I'm gonna say a word, and you're gonna say the first word that comes to your mind as it relates to our region. I'm not gonna. You don't. We don't have to keep it to Spokane. Okay. Uh, okay. So, but because I want to know all your all your favorite. Well, I shouldn't say favorite. It's just a, it's just like whatever comes off. The top of your head. Okay. And the first one I always start with is park. Manitou. Perfect. Shar- shopping. Sh- sh- I was going to say sharping. Shopping. So, okay. I feel like people ask me about my favorites a lot. And it's <laughs> like there's two answers for like everything. Totally. But my go-to is like River Park Square. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, we're getting a, a Lego store. We are? Yeah. Okay, well, I wish we would have had one of those like 30 years ago. Yeah, me, but, like, well, you know, it's becoming one of those yellow. things that like adults love doing now. Like I would talk to uh, Mandy Price, who is uh, she's a 
a producer in Hollywood, and like that's one of her favorite things to do on a Friday night is like do Legos. It's nostalgic like a, and it's soothing. And like and now they have adult Legos, like yes. or like I mean I shouldn't say adult, but they're like flower arrangements. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not for kids, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, we're, I mean it has so much there. Um, sweet treats. <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, for me, I would say. Chaps. Chaps. Yeah. That is a, have you gone to Coco yet? Yes. It's amazing. It is so good. And I'm so glad that you went because I heard the podcast you did with Vanessa the other week and you said oh, that you hadn't. I had gone. I've, yet, I've but... been, to, I, I, you know, and I haven't done anything on Instagram with them yet, but I, yeah. I now I go there like twice. Well, now it's become a meeting place because it's easy to meet people there. And it's so like, like photogenic it's such yes. an amazing little uh place I'm, I'm so happy it's there and celeste is just like the sweetest yes. and yes everything about it is perfect absolutely um coffee indaba mm. and that's for a very specific reason because well first of all their coffee is just super good all the time mm-hmm. their butterscotch latte mm. is like my favorite and um, because one time also I went in there and was talking about, um, oh, my gosh, oh, like uh, pour over coffee. Mm. And I was asking them, like, can you grind me some coffee for pour over? Because I was trying to teach myself on YouTube how to make the perfect pour over mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And then the sweet barista there, he basically like gave me a whole rundown, a tutorial and like wrote me out a whole page of like instructions between like how many grams and how many oh, seconds God, yeah. and how much water and how much time you wait. And I was just like. I think I might just use the drip. Do they do pour over there? Do they do pour over it? I mean, I assume so. I've never ordered it oh, okay. because I'm usually I'm really like simple when it comes to coffee. Yeah. Um, like I'm usually just kind of like an Americano gal. Yeah. Um, so but I was just trying to teach myself, and so I I assume if they know yeah, the of course, nuance yeah. of that, then I just, probably I just I, w- I used to work right next to First Ave Coffee. Yeah. And they have like the pour over coffees. Like they they make these crazy, like amazing pour over coffees that like, and if you go there and you talk to Aaron, like mm-hmm. he just like can give you all of the, this, all of the information and history of like the beans that they're using for their pour overs. It's, and like, if you love pour overs and like that, it's a great place to check out. But I imagine Andaba must have um, pour overs as well. Um, I need to drink more coffee. I would say my honorable mention for that category, if I'm allowed to do an honorable mention, yeah, for sure. would be like either Huckleberries or um, mm. or like My Fresh Basket because their dessert case in both oh. places is so great because you can literally go just get like one slice of cake yes. from like Just, Ameri- just American Desserts or whatever it's mm-hmm. called or Just Desserts. Um, and it's like, okay, I got my $5 slice of cake. I did not have to tip anybody. <laughs> right. I can get this in a cardboard box and eat this in my car like – yeah. <laughs> it is true. With a plastic fork. And then uh, my fresh basket has all of the the meat flavor, like um, yes. what are they? What macarons? Macaroons. Macarons. Yes. Yeah. So good. Um, artist. Chris Vovey. Mm, of course, he's <laughs> yeah. the best. His space is so awesome. I can't wait to see the like the boneyard like yeah. collection. I missed it. I was uh, that, I went and saw someone play country at the. I went and saw. Dan and Shay. I took my wife to see Dan oh, and nice. Shay instead of doing that. And I wish I, 
I kind of wish I would have went. I mean, I definitely wish I would have went to Bovey's yeah. Boneyard. Well, I but think I, it does I, it again. It, it, it's it's cool. It's, I mean, I've I've walked the property before, but I've never I've never seen it at night. Um, hmm. Pizza. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> every, every single thing has a caveat. No, absolutely. So my favorite pizza is actually in Coeur d'Alene. Okay. It's called Roots, and um, they have very limited hours. It's like a husband and wife and their two little kids running around the restaurant, and they do a very specific like sourdough crust mm. that I just love um, because I'm not uh, like – I'm not over the top when it comes to pizza. I'm kind of a purist. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a two-answer question as as well. Or, yeah, two-answer question because – so that's kind of like my favorite specialty pizza. So I'm really just like a cheese gal on like a very simple tomato mm. sauce. Nothing fancy, not too thick of a crust, not too thin of a crust, nothing too pretentious. It's just like do it right and like don't give me a thousand toppings. <laughs> right. And then my nostalgic pick would be Pizza Pipeline. Oh, Because yeah. like – there was never a birthday without the Colossus. <laughs> That's, uh, there were so many birthdays with the Colossus. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know where I was at recently, but that we had, someone had a Colossus, and that was like, oh my gosh, this is this is bringing back all the memories. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's uh, so like nostalgic. It's like tricky sticks. Yes. And, yeah. Oh man. Um, music venue. So you were just talking about Dan and Shay. Mm. I went to like three or four concerts this summer yeah. at um, Northern Quest, and I think that their venue is so nice. Yes, yeah, I was. I've gone. I went to two this summer. I went to Jason Mraz, and then I Me went too. to. Yeah, it was. It was unfortunate. It was like a really high wind, so they yes. couldn't have like the big screens out. But we ended up like going down closer because we were sitting up high and like we were like just watching like down below like no one was like really sitting in certain places so we just like went down there and like they don't care danced out d- danced to jason raz it was amazing yeah uh, uh jason raz has meant a lot to my family over the Me last too. over the last years i've seen him that was probably like my fifth time seeing him same yeah. i like love him like i went to i st- i think i found out about him in um like college and mm. so again it just it's just fun fun feel good music and then like on my birthday so in september um did a real 180 and i took like seven of my friends to go see ludicrous oh nice and, so, yeah. and that was awesome yeah so yeah i just think the venue's great they like have it all streamlined and like what i love about that venue too is they're just on time. They're like, yes. this show is starting at 7.30, and they're out of there by like 9.15 or 10 or whatever yes. it is. And like, I love that. That is, It is true. I love a, I love a place that's on schedule. <laughs> uh, burger. Durkins. 100%. Don't even got to say any more than that. <laughs> but of course, I have always had a second answer. Yes. What's the? The Papa Joe. The Papa Joe. Oh, okay. Which, South where, Hill. South Hill. Okay. Yeah. The South Hill on 29th and Regal. Regal, yeah. Yeah, because my first job was actually at Senior Froggy up okay. there. And so like a lot of days after Senior Froggy, I would drive across the street and get a Papa Joe. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, uh, like uh Senior Froggy is like where my kids go with their grandma. Like they like that's like a not a I mean like a monthly place they go. Yeah. Because I never go to Senior Froggy's, but they they always go to it. So I I uh man, I Papa Joe's like I I, I need to go try that one because like I Hidden, it's oh, Zips is so hit and miss for me, and totally. And I and everybody has a very strong allegiance to yes, which Zips for whatever reason. For whatever reason, yeah. I never had that allegiance because I never really had one up on the north side. The one that was closest to me was n- across from my middle school, but like it just never was ever 
in the arsenal of places to go. I think that needs to be one of the the questions. It's like which zips which is zips, your which zips is your zips? <laughs> totally. Um, uh, neighborhood. Oh gosh. Okay. So I'd say like Rockwood. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's like where we have a lot of roots. Um, and we didn't really talk oh, yeah. about Yeah. We'll get into that after, the, yeah, after okay, this. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the reminder on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> breakfast slash brunch. Okay. So you can say it again if you want to. I was going to say it was chaps <laughs> because I just, I don't know. There's just something I love about everything that they do. I mean, yeah. but, but I also, don't shy away from like an Atalano's breakfast burrito either. Mm. You know, there's a time uh, and place. Totally, yeah. Um, but I also love like Frank's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's classic. It is. And then like it's been a. I only went here one time, but it, I remember it so vividly. Is Frankie Doodles? Mm. I went there one time and one time only. But I remember <laughs> this huge. Um, cinnamon roll I got there. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I maybe I should do a post yeah. and see if they still have it. And they, on the menu, it was called the Texas size cinnamon roll. I've never been to Frankie Doodles. How is it like? I don't know. Who goes there? I don't know. I really, I honestly like. I my, I don't know who goes there. I my wife used to go there all the time when she was in high school, but it's just never been a place that's also never been in my repertoire. But if the sign was gone, we'd all notice. Exactly. <laughs> if that sign ever went anywhere, it would end up in Bobby's backyard. Yeah. Uh, so the, oh, I have a two more or a couple more. Yeah. Um, event. Okay. So being like a foodie, mm. I would say Crave mm. is my favorite event. Yeah. It's like such a, a Christmassy like adjacent event for me just because there's so many fun people, fun food, fun yeah. chefs. It's and it's like three days. Totally. So it's not like you have to like go hungry one one day and then just eat until you're sick and then be done with it. It's like, oh no, I get three days of this. Yeah. I uh I've never been to Crave. I need to I need to do it. It's um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um I was gonna ask, I was going through your Instagram and I had this, and I, I'm. This is gonna be awful because I, I, I can't really plug them. It's a food truck, but they have all this really good like um, teriyaki, and it, it, they ha- had katsu chicken. It was that terrain. It, it, it was so. Oh, yeah. This, it's a yellow yeah. food truck. Sensational. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was at terrain, and then it was up at Big Barn Brewing. They're and, everywhere. And I was like, and I had the katsu chicken on Friday. I didn't get to finish it, but then I had teriyaki chicken yesterday, and it was in. It was. It's really, really flavorful and good, and like all the like to give you a good like, just some really good mac and cheese. Not mac and cheese. What am I calling? Mac salad. Mac salad. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, and then like this really good salad yeah. that comes with it. Like, but I was gonna ask you because you posted like like teriyaki because teriyaki in Spokane is like. <sighs> so hit and miss. It doesn't even really exist on a really good level, but there are places, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, this is actually a very like sensitive topic for me, and I say that very tongue in cheek because, like, um, on the Spokane Food Finder, yeah, and that's like a, a group with like close to eighty thousand people on, yeah. it, on on Facebook and the North Idaho foodies, whatever. Like everybody's always asking for the best teriyaki. And um, first of all, like, I, hello, everybody. Like, there is a market here. Yes. Like, yeah. come and do it. Um, but the best that I've had is 
Okay, and when I when I talk about just like chicken teriyaki in general, it's like a very specific type that I'm looking for, and that's Seattle style chicken teriyaki. Okay, yeah. And um, it has like a very specific type of sauce. It has like the mm. iceberg lettuce salad with this like creamy white dressing, and they, it's just like perfect. And it's like a huge portion. So two places I would say, um, K's Teriyaki out on Francis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is one of my favorites. Okay, have you been? I've been there a long, long time ago. Like that was on the north side, so like that was like we would go there every once in a while. Like I had a friend who loved it, so and I never, and it. I never think of that place honestly. So it's like I, I never like sit there and eat. It's always like a to go situation if I'm on the north side. So that's like probably number one for me. One thing that I think is like a little weird about there is they're like chow mein. It's not really chow mein. Um, but mm. so I usually just go for like chicken and rice. Honestly, everything or the sesame chicken there. Those are like my two favorite things there. Mm-hmm. And like it's a huge portion. You can literally split it with one other person. Like you and your wife can go and get one thing. And like I promise you. Yeah. And it's like 12 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's it's such a, a deal. Yeah. Um. So and then out in Airway Heights, there's um a place called Teriyaki Spice. Okay. It's like in a gas station (laughs) and they also do like a Seattle style um, uh, chicken teriyaki with like, um, they don't do quite do like the creamy dressing, but they do like the cold iceberg lettuce. It's like not even that substantial the salad, but you just like have to have it with it. It's just like really good. It's just like, it's just like flavorful. And you can buy the sauce, you can buy the dressing. Um, So that's also kind of like one of my little hacks too, is like if you find a place that you like their dressing or you like their sauce, just ask them if you can buy it. Yeah. They'll usually sell it to you. So that's a, that's a, that's a great hack. Yeah, Literally (laughs) anywhere. Like even up at senior froggy, (laughs) honorable mention ranch Um, oh yeah they have great ranch and they will sell it to you like a big cup of it for like two or three bucks oh my gosh that's such a good that's that is such good like info to have because like i never think about buying sauces places but you're right like if i wanted to buy sauce probably anywhere they'd probably sell it to me oh yeah i wanted if i wanted the pickle brine at at uh durkin's they'd probably sell it to me huh because oh, they, I'm sure. I, I haven't even thought about that. They because they always use, they use picklebacks, yeah. Like with like whiskey shots, and that pickle that pickle brine that they like that they give you is is so it's delicious. Yes. It's, uh, I, so uh, one question I was going to ask that's a little bit of a caveat is like, where are you taking people when like if you want them to experience a really good night out for dinner in Spokane? Like if they and I. Maybe I don't like how many, how often are you taking people out like that maybe haven't experienced Spokane? Probably. Well, if I'm not taking them out, I get asked for recommendations. Yeah. Where are you, I should ask, like, where are you, what are you recommending? So, of course, it all depends. It's like, okay, what's the event, this and that. But I would say, like, if you know me, you know, I just shout this place out all the time because I just think they do such an amazing, consistent job, um, like Wooden City Mm -hmm. um, and then Tavolada. Mm. Yeah. Um, those are two of my favorites. If it's like a fancy dinner, like I feel like you can never go wrong with Churchill's. Yeah. Like it's a very, very nice dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, or Beverly's out in Coeur d'Alene. Um, but yeah, those are kind of like my go-tos for like a nice, for like a place with consistent food and service mm. and like vibe. And also Durkin's. Like, yeah, love of course, Durkin's. yeah. Um, but when it comes to like hole in the wall kind of places, because I get asked for that a lot yeah. too, I never get asked for like something in the middle. You know, it's just like, what's like the diviest place that you can recommend? <laughs> like, you know, corn dogs and 
tater tots or yeah. where's like the best steak I can get, but it's never just like in the middle. And I'm I'm a pretty in the middle person for the most part when it comes to like fussiness of food. But mm-hmm. if I'm gonna showcase it, it's like better be bomb, whether it's a five star or, or like, you know, if it's super expensive or it's like a drive through. Um but Kim's Korean mm. on division right yeah. next to the zips. Yeah. We've been going there, like my family and I have been going there for like 25 years. Really? Yeah. And wow. they've been in that same spot. And it's like, for me, it, it it's nostalgic. But if you want like Korean food with the traditional like side dishes it's called banchan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can try a lot of different like fermented or pickled side dishes that come with like every meal that you get there yeah and so it's just a really fun way to be able to like experience a little bit of korean culture without in like not have to commit too hard you yeah know, you go and you each get like somebody gets a soup somebody gets like a stir fry somebody gets like a noodle dish or something yeah. like that, and you just share it all so yeah i gotta take my kids there we always my kids love well my kids and myself love k-pop and oh, oh and so gosh. i i would and I, I've given we've had kimchi and that that's not like experienced culture of, of South Korea. And so like I would really love to take them somewhere that is like they could experience that. Oh, yeah. Because they would they would they would love it. You absolutely should. And um, they get a lot of first timers there, too. I mean, like there's just not a lot of um, that type of. I, well, there's a few Korean restaurants here, but um, I mean, for first timers, they'll give you they'll be like, no, we'll just order for yeah. you. And then. Having your cultural culture be being from Vietnamese yes. Vietnam, I'm sorry, I was gonna, yeah. but uh, like, where you do you have a place that you love getting pho at? Like, do you like pho? Yeah. Oh, I love pho. Yeah. So I honestly didn't even experience trying pho until like college, mm. and then I was just like moth to a flame. Right. <laughs> this bed, um, but yeah, my favorite is um, Vien Dong. On mm. um, Freya. Freya, yeah. I guess it's Freya. It used to be on Sprague, but now it's on Freya. But yeah, I think that's probably my favorite. Yeah, that, that is one of the classic fuzz. The culture is like so like big in this part of the world. But I like Seattle. I just like I want to go over to Seattle and like and do a bunch of different Asian places just because it seems like there's so much of that culture there that you can just really experience good quality ingredients like is there i know we've mentioned a couple of them but like like you mentioned kim's Uh and and but like is there any other like really good authentic asian places in in our region um so the other place i mean when it comes to region like when i want really good asian food like i go to seattle most Mm. of my friends are in seattle like but here um i I really like Black Straw out in mm, the valley. Okay. Yes. I was going to ask you about a places in the valley, but where's Black Straw? I've never even heard of this. It's on like Sprague in Pines. Okay. Uh, right next to a pawn shop. <laughs> I think it's across the street from like a grocery outlet. Oh yeah, like, I can I can picture it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they started as like a boba shop only, and then they went mm. more into food. Hence the name Black Straw. Like yeah, because that that was like reminiscent of the boba. But then yeah. um, they started doing food and. Like, it's so good. Oh, wow. It's very, very good. So um, that's, like, one of my other go-tos. Um, but I also think that, like, Feast, just mm. down the street. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there's so many different things to try there all the time. Yeah. So I think that um, part of 
the reason why I even started a food-related Instagram account is to show things that weren't just on, like, well, because it was based in Coeur d'Alene at first. And so when people from here go to Coeur d'Alene, they usually just go straight to the resort and mm-hmm. go to, like, the couple restaurants there or just stay on Sherman and go to the same couple restaurants there. So my thought process behind starting that account was to get them off of that strip there right and like there's so much more here yeah and so i think that that's also same for spokane it's like it's very easy to get stuck in the rut of going to your same favorite Mm -hmm. five places yeah but then it's like follow your favorite food instagram accounts or whatever see where they're going and try it yeah no i love that that's such a good point like i i get stuck in that rut of going to the same places over and over again Mm -hmm. but it's mostly because like i I go to places where I know I'm going to get the best service or I know right. people and like it just becomes easy. Like it's always like it always is a little bit of work to like go somewhere new. But like there are a bunch of new places that we should be exploring. And like that's how places are going to get. I, I should make it a more of an effort to try going places at least like once a week because I eat out enough to like eat, that I could do it. <laughs> or like, you know, make a jar at home and. <clears throat> write mm. down the names of a bunch of different places, put it in there, and like every week somebody picks one and you just like commit. Yeah. And then you do a little research beforehand or reach out to your blogger friends or whoever and say, like, hey, what have you had here that you like? Yeah. Also, duh, Gordy's up on the South Hill. Oh, Gordy's, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, is, is there, there, are they specifically one type of Szechuan? Szechuan. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, def- I, I've heard so much about it. I, I think I've been there. I don't. I was been because they're they're not new. They've been around for a while. Forever. Forever. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like the Frankie Doodles. You know? Right. It's just, like, <laughs> it's just there. there? <laughs> right. Uh, well, let's talk about. Uh, I want. I want to talk about your your family. The, one of the things you said you want to talk about is your your family's deep spokane roots and if one of my favorite topics is probably spokane history and talking to people who have deep roots here or like who've been here for a long time like what uh your family the is it the lawrences so it, it, it is my adopted family right yeah um and it is not the lawrences it's on that side of the family but um Back in, and I brought like my notes. Okay, too, because yeah. I was doing a little research on it too because this is like a very hot topic in my family. Um, but as I'm getting older, I'm learning to appreciate a little bit more. Yeah. Because I knew that like my mom and dad, they gr- they were born here. They met at Lewis and Clark High School. They're high school sweethearts. They've been married like forever. They live down like right near um, Brown's Edition. Oh, and awesome. it's just like classic Spokane. Totally, yeah. And so. And I've always knew I always knew that growing up that my dad's grandfather was an architect here in town. Okay. And so I just knew it as like, oh yeah. And I knew that he had some involvement in the Davenport and I just kind mm. of left it at that. Yeah. And um, but my dad has always kind of made it his mission to give his grandfather the credit that he deserves. And so he um him along with his siblings have all done a lot of research and trying to put together the pieces of the puzzle. So my great grandfather, so my dad's grandfather was born in Sweden in like the late 1800s. And he somehow came to Spokane in 1905 Mm. uh, because he, there was some sort of Swedish, um, 
uh, I don't know if it was friends or acquaintances in uh, in Newman Lake of all places. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, apparently there was like a small settlement of okay. Swedish people there. Uh, huh, I wonder. So he came over then and um, I think was learning to be an architect by trade. Okay. And he... Uh, what was his name? Oh, yeah. Gustav Albin Pearson. Okay. And so he went by G.A. Pearson. G.A. Pearson. Okay. And he... So he was in America for like a year or so. He got a lot of inspiration, I think. Went back to Sweden immediately came back and then he worked under Kirkland Cutter. Oh wow. Yeah. So <laughs> they were like homies and he worked like directly underneath him or beside him. Okay. And um that's how he was introduced to Louis Davenport. Okay. <laughs> so Kirkland Cutter designed like Patsy Clark Mansion, mm-hmm. uh, the Cutter Mansion, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the Glover Mansion. The Glover Mansion. I mean, and, uh, I believe Spokesman Review mm-hmm. Building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, multiple other places downtown. That's cr- And then, but he, so your grandfather worked with him. And yeah, what was his role working with? So that is kind of the, the puzzle that my dad is on a mission to yeah. figure out because. A lot of the blueprints for the Davenport are like the archives are owned by the hotel, mm-hmm. but my dad was able to get access to them and to be able to, you know, do his sleuthing and, and yeah. see if he can find any traces of my great grandfather. Yeah. And um, sure enough, on a lot of the blueprints, uh, he's able to see my great grandfather's signature on on the blueprints right. with the dates, even though the stamp, so they had a stamp that was the cutter and um, what was the name of it? Well, so he, the cutter company had like the stamp and then there was like a line where whoever was signing off on the blueprints would sign. And mm-hmm. it was my great grandfather's signature on most of the blueprints. Oh, wow. And so, um, so he had a very big involvement in designing the Davenport and specific parts of the Davenport. Um, and so once, I think it was like 1913 or like, yeah, 1913 or 14. I think Kirkland Cutter ended up going to California or somewhere that wasn't here. Mm-hmm. And at that time, that's when um, Louis Davenport and my great grandfather were like kind of attached to the hip when it came to architecture and projects. And he helped design like the U shape of the Davenport because that's when they kind of extended it and mm. expanded into um, kind of what you see now. And, um, and so that was one of his obviously most well-known projects here, but again, like Kirkland Cutter's names on a lot of things. Totally. Yeah. Um, but then he also designed the Paulson building. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's like the dental, I guess they call it like the Paulson dental building. Yeah. The, um, the The right, I mean the right, the, the. I guess there there's two parts of the Paulson building. There used to be the ho- the hospital side. Oops, excuse me. There used to be the hospital side of the Paulson building, and then now and then there's yeah the other part. My one of my podcasts works in she ha- she's on the eighth floor of the Paulson Center, and like I we've started doing. She's done a lot of research on it, and then but that maybe your your grandfather's name's on that as a designer or as a as architect of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it sounds so familiar. Yeah. That's amazing. And so it's one of the most 
well-known, I think, just from, like, looking at it. It's one of the most recognizable buildings here mm. because when you're, you know, driving down um, from going east down yeah. to Spokane, you know, you can see it. And um, from what I've read, the way that he designed it was he didn't want it to just look, like, flat, like a normal building, but he wanted it to look more like a mountain. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of thought. Um, and like maybe some Spanish influence, some art deco type influence that went into a lot of his, um, buildings. So that was one of them. That's crazy. And then the Chronicle building. Oh, uh-huh. Um, which is down here as well. Um, and then another one is the, it used to be called the Eldridge Buick and it's the building on Cedar and Sprague where, um, the rocket bakery is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With those nice, like big windows, like the, yeah. The um, slat windows. Yeah, that's a, it's a very like iconic looking like mid-century like building. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Church, oh. which is on Washington. Yeah. Which has like a very unique look. And totally, so yeah. When you kind of like start piecing together the way that all of these buildings look, it's like, oh my gosh, there is like kind of a familiar flavor between mm-hmm. all of these. Totally. Um, and then another one is like the Roosevelt Apartments or mm-hmm. the Roosevelt Inn. I don't know if you want to call it that, but like it's on 6th or 7th. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. And then the, let's see what else, the... Woman's Club on 9th Avenue when you're coming down, I think it's like Walnut. Or yeah, 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 yeah. So there's that one. That's and awesome. The Best Asian Market, which is on Sprague. You can tell on the outside there's like a really interesting, intricate design. And um, yeah, so there's just so many buildings and also a lot of homes mm. that um, he designed. And um, he also helped... Louis Davenport designed this home for him out on the Little Spokane River, and now it's part of St. George's School. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and so, like, there's still, you know, a half of a page of stuff that I probably haven't even talked about. uh, When did did your great-grandfather pass? Oh, gosh, 68? Oh, okay. 1968, yeah. Yeah. Do you know when he stopped, like, doing architecture or... Um... I don't I, I kind of feel like he's one of he was one of those guys that and I know that my dad would be able to say more about this, mm. but um he just kind of worked, I think, forever. Forever, yeah. yeah. I mean I, I imagine there wasn't much retiring when you were like in the in the the mid nineties the mid nineties. The mid uh nineteenth why can't I think of twentieth century? Yeah. Uh but yeah, but like that's so like so did your family know this, that he had been doing this, or is this, like, something that they've started learning more about? Um, I think they, I think a little bit of both. I think we always knew it. Yeah. But then it took a lot of digging into, like, um, old newspaper articles. Yeah. And, like I said, blueprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that's been kind of cool through my um, family's research, too, is that, so during... World War II, um, President Roosevelt, I think, called for a crash program to develop the atomic bomb. Mm. And so my great-grandfather was hired to um, basically build the city of Richland. 
Wow. Because they said, this is where we want to do this. Yeah. And we need a city here. And so that means we need neighborhoods. We need baseball parks. We need like just infrastructure for yeah. a city because there was nothing out there. So he like, oh, like almost like a city planner and yeah. like designing like the grid of, yes. of Richland. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, because I just, when you, I don't know if you saw the new movie Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oppenheimer is about, you know, like the, the, the building of the atomic bombs and one of the, you know, one of the places where it was being, well, not being, they would get the, the uranium, like they mine uranium, they'd take it to like Richland to that, to that processing facility. And then they would then bring it back from Richland down to where they were building the atomic bombs at. And, uh, and so they, they mentioned, they don't ever really mention it by name, but like in the movie, I don't think, but like it was a big part of like the atomic program back in like the forties. Um, and the, and that's crazy that he would help design all of that. Like, cause like, yeah, because there wasn't really, I mean, Pasco and, uh, Keno were there, but like, yeah, Richland was definitely, uh, they were all kind of, it was kind of like just a farm town. And then had all of this humongous influx back in the forties because of, uh, the atomic program. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. And so he helped like design, not design Hanford, but around mm-hmm. that project. And, and it's crazy. Um, cause a lot of this I'm still learning because, you know, there wasn't as much documentation back then. Mm. And so I think that's been kind of this fun project for my dad and for my aunts and uncle to, to try to piece together. And they've done some talks with the historic, um, you know, preservation societies and yeah. whatnot around here to, to talk about like hit the legacy of my great grandfather and the architecture. And it's like, it's really cool to learn about those buildings and to see that they're still standing and that there's like businesses still thriving and really like appreciating totally. the architecture and not just like, let's modernize this and gentrify all of this, you know, yeah. it's like, no, they're, they're still appreciating it. So, um, we ran uh, his full name again. Gustav Albin Pearson. And does he have any buildings named after him here in Spokane? I don't think so, but hmm. like maybe. Uh, you know, I, I was, <laughs> well, you know, like because like uh, I'm not sure if Kirkland Cutter has any buildings like named after him. I know there's a bunch of buildings that are you know accredited to him, but like yeah. obviously Davin, Davenport exists exists, and like, but I, I yeah, I'd be curious to know if there is a building named after him, uh, and if there's not there. Probably should be one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that kind of like brings us to present day where, you know, I have I've spent time away from Spokane and yeah. um I've always found my way back and mm. and through going to events, through promoting business and things like that and just, you know, like taking care of our town. Mm. I think that that's like the best way for us to be able to, you know, yeah. honor the history and yeah, I was going to ask about when you were starting, like, because we, we talked about it a little bit at the very beginning, but like, yeah. I mean, you you started CDA Menu yeah. and then you became Colant Casey and like, and it, but it was all just about like lifting up what was going on locally, right? And like... That's what it's evolved into. Yeah, okay. Because I think at first when I started it, I was just like... This is gonna be sweet. I'm gonna talk about restaurants. I'm gonna become a foodie. <laughs> yeah. and, like people are gonna beg me to come eat at their restaurants. And I, but like I also was very open to whatever it was gonna be. And so I think from being like a natural, naturally creative person mm. and naturally like very entrepreneurial, 
I'm not scared of starting something and then pivoting. And that's mm. really what happened here because at first I thought, oh, I'm going to turn this into a business and this and that. And like what I've learned about business and in, in starting my own businesses and starting this Instagram account is that like if you go into something with just the idea of making money, mm. like – it's going to fizzle like you're going to get burned out or like people are going to smell right through that and be like, okay, this person's only doing this for this, this and this, Mm. which for me, like in my life, it's like, no, I, I, I'm kind of past that now where I, I want to do what I can to uplift the community. Mm. Like I said, at first it was Coeur d'Alene based and, um, and then as it evolved and as I've, um, befriended a lot of other like influencers here mm-hmm. and a lot of other people just in the community like the best thing that we can do for each other is the sharing posts and you know giving the google reviews and all that totally. kind of stuff because yeah. that's the stuff that you know we as consumers we rely on that type of information mm-hmm. too before we make a decision about where we're going to go or where we're going to spend our dollars 100 yeah and so so it's turned into a community service at first it was like kind of a self-indulgent like oh my god <laughs> this is going to be so cool i'm yeah. going to be able to be a foodie and blah 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 and then it really just it, it evolved into a community service and it, it all happened at a time in my life where i really needed a creative outlet to be able to express myself and to um yeah, just feel like a part of something mm. because I think that that's also kind of a, a hard part of being for me. I'm, I'm 37 mm-hmm. and I don't have kids. I've never been married. And that is a very small percentage of people in this area. <laughs> totally. And so <clears throat> to be able to say like, hey, this is the population I represent and it's still fun to live here. Right. Yeah. And there's still stuff to do and there's still people to meet. And so I'm trying to kind of like take that hand because that is kind of that where a lot of us are ending up now Mm. and it's like how do we still have like a really fun and thriving and and exciting life in Spokane Mm. yeah no it's I mean I know I mean I'm starting to find a lot of people my age are now getting divorced totally and so as you probably have seen as well with your friends oh yeah in like three in three years it'll be my time because all those people (laughs) but but what I mean by that is just like yeah there's always I think there is like a lot of people in Spokane that like you do every influencer or they're all very much like it's kind of the same and like it is better it is more refreshing when when someone is coming from a different perspective because I I'm not going to lie. There's only so many different perspectives I can get from white people in Spokane. <laughs> and so, I mean, but that's, that's kind of the makeup of Spokane, but like having, having more voices, especially from, you know, all different walks of life. It, like it is important for representation to have that. Like it is because it's, it's, because we're all not just married and have kids. And you're not the first person to say that exact <laughs> sentence to me, which is honestly what um, kind of motivates me to, you know, go to different culturally, like different places, restaurants, mm. events, and to just post about not just the $80 steak. It's yeah. like, guess what? I'm going to eat a bucket of fries and tartar right. and I'm going to post about it. Yeah. And that's fine because that's real life too. And so um, I think just sharing that it's that there is a different pers- perspective. And I've had, you know, other non-white people come to me and say, we love your account because mm. it is that different voice. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
all the voices together are wonderful. It's just nice to have different perspectives. And being that I'm like local, local, like yeah. South Hill local, mm-hmm. you know, where, like from childhood. Totally. And so it just, yeah, it's different. But I love like having become part of this. And, and I actually, before I even started the account, I talked to other influencers to be like, is this stupid? Because it's scary starting your own thing. No, it totally you know? is. Yeah. No, I uh, I mean, I don't, it's one of those things. I don't like, I, I know that I am somewhat of an influencer, but I, it is, I, I but what I was going to say is it's like, it is so important that like we do lift up places in Spokane that are, are underrepresented because like we talk about like Durkins and places in like Wooden City sure. and all these places a ton, like, and they get their, they get their love. Like it is, but like being able to talk to you about like other places that like Gordy's, like yeah. not enough people talk about Gordy's and like, <laughs> right. and more people should go to Gordy's and have their, have their food and like, right. and all these different under the radar place, under the radar places and, or family owned, like, having those stories to share is is like and yeah you're right you have like and you also have all this crazy family history too of being so ingrained in spokane like i feel like your family is your family no matter doesn't matter if it's blood or not right oh absolutely and you can ask all the questions you want this is not like a hard topic for me to talk right, about yeah, for sure. like 10 years ago i found my biological family mm. and um on my dad's side and I have become very ingrained in the Vietnamese culture, mm. um, at least that part of the family. And so I think over the last 10 years, I've learned more about myself and learned more about my identity yeah. and learned a little bit more about um, how, if, and where I fit in mm-hmm. and whether that's there in Hawaii. Um, okay. They're, they're in Honolulu. In, okay. And then, and so I visit usually a couple times a year. Um, and then just trying to figure out like, where do I fit in here? And again, you know, being the age that I am being, you know, kind of the demographic I am, it's like, where's my place here? And so I think all those factors combined, I've settled into being just like comfortable in having my friends as my family. My family is my family. Yeah. And just like, wherever you're welcome and whatever makes you feel good. Like those people are your family because I grew up with adopted cousins, adopted neighbors. And for me, like growing up on the dad, on my dad's side of the family, there was like one cousin who we were super close to who wasn't adopted. And she like would tell her friends like she was adopted just because that would make her (laughs) feel good. You know, like all my cousins are adopted. I'm adopted too. Did you feel that when you were younger in Spokane? Like did people look at you differently? Like I know that does exist in Spokane. Mm -hmm. Spokane's very white. Yeah. What was, what was that like? So I can't think of any times where I felt that different Mm. i think part of it is just naturally like my personality i don't i don't i I never felt that um i can't speak for like my adopted brother i think he may have felt it a bit more than i did Mm. but i think where i kind of noticed it was like when everybody was hitting their growth spurts (laughs) i stopped at like five foot (laughs) and that was like it probably in sixth grade and i've been like five foot forever Um, but I, and I think like we all had those awkward phases. I think no matter what race you are in like middle school and high school where like everybody just kind of looks weird and feels weird. (laughs) Totally. So I think probably what I went through was pretty natural. I mean, you said you grew up in such a blended community. Like that probably helped out a lot because you also went to school with all those people as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It helped. I think, um, 
as I got older, I started having more questions about my identity, mm. which is kind of what uh, got me or what motivated me to try to find my biological family. Right. Because it's like, why am I the way that I am? You know, yeah. and, and I think it's just those more like philosophical questions that as you get older and you're like, I, OK, I am this person, but why am I like this? I think that's when I started to get more curious mm. because I think from a personality standpoint, I'm very different than my adopted parents. Like mm. we're we love each other like tremendously and we're like definitely family unit. But there were just like certain parts about me that I was just like, where does this come from? Gotcha. Yeah. Because, yeah, because like, I mean, my children are born of they're this they're little mini versions of me and abby but like when you're adopted like and you were trying to like find out like who you are as a person and then you have like another family that you don't have the ability to to learn from like i imagine that is very confusing feeling to have right yeah yeah i i think that there were probably times in my life as a child where i was just kind of confused or in seeing that mm. my friends looked like their parents and things like that where maybe i was you know confused but at the same time looking so different from my parents and being so different just out of the shoot it's like it wasn't a thing that they could hide from us. It's right. not like we grew up and they were like, guess what? You're adopted. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so I think we grew up like with that being so normal and growing up so close to my adopted cousins from Korea. Mm. Like that was just our family. Totally. So we yeah. just, if anything, we were like, yep, all kids are Asian and all parents are white. That's just, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, that's just, yeah. And so the other thing that like I applaud my parents on now, um, is I mean then too I'm sure but especially now now that I'm older and I can really like look back and appreciate it is that they really did try to get us um you know around other people who looked like us mm. and so they would take us to like the Korean Presbyterian church mm. like to help my brother just see other people who looked like him totally. and, and to Vietnamese um holiday celebrations and things like that and they tried. The, you no, know? of course, yeah. No, and like we would go to the the Asian markets and like buy whatever looked interesting. And, yeah. And I didn't grow up with religion, so it was really, um, really cool that my parents, you know, took us to different churches if we were con if we wanted to go to the synagogue to just mm. like learn about what that type of church is like. They're like, let's go. Yeah. And so there was never any like boundaries when it came to mm. like who we were or who we could be or like learning more about other people. And there's like no hiding it either. Like it was no. obviously like, and it was, that's awesome. That's a, that's very important. When did you want to like find your family? Like, was that like something that you decided on your own or something that they, your parents asked you about? No. So I, I think that was something that has always been my choice. So mm. like I was adopted when I was two and a half and, um, the way that I understand the story is that my mom and dad, my um, biological mom and dad, weren't together mm. when, um, or I mean, they had me and then they split up. And um, my mom took me to Seattle and then my dad stayed in Honolulu. Mm. And he really wanted to be involved in my life. Um, but for whatever reason, like they split up. And then my mom put me up for adoption without him knowing. Oh, wow. So, yeah, hard pivot. Um, yeah. And then all the while, he was, um, you know, I think wanting to be a part of my life. And, about a year after that happened, I think he found out and um, 
it was a closed adoption. And yeah, so at that um, time it was like the eighties. And so I'm pretty sure, you know, it, it wasn't as much of an administrative process as it probably is now totally. for something like that to happen. Mm. And so I think, um, from that time until I reconnected with him, I think there was always like this, Oh my gosh, I would really love to be a part of, you know, my daughter's mm. life. Yeah. And, um, through growing up, we went through, um, uh, Catholic community services mm. and they were like the intermediary between my family or like just for the adoption. And so, um, as I was growing up, he was able to send letters and cards and stuff like that to my, my adopted parents to give to me, but it had to go through the Catholic community services. And they basically were the ones who had to screen all of the letters and the, and stuff that came through. And so I remember getting, um, like letters and cards with, um, like physically cut out pieces from the paper because it would be like too much identifying information. Oh, right. So, um, as soon as I turned 18, the communication kind of just stopped. I don't ever really remember writing him anything, but I remember getting like gifts from him and letters and just random things here and there. Um, and so when I turned 18, all of that kind of stopped. But then when I turned 25, I there was just something in me that was like, okay, I think I'm ready. Like mm. if I would have done this when I was 18, which is legally when I would have been allowed to do it. Yeah. I was just starting college. I was just yeah. like <laughs> so not in a place to face that type of possible rejection. Right. And so I reached out to um, my caseworker who was still the same lady who like did my adoption when I was two. Wow. And so 23 years later, I reached out to her and I said, hey, I think I'm ready to try to find him and establish some sort of relationship or something. I, I just want to like let him know like, I'm here. Yeah. You know, and I, whatever, we'll just see where it goes from there. And she said, okay, Casey, well, you have to be prepared for, um, like one of a bunch of different scenarios. It could be like, you don't hear from him. He like might not, not even be alive anymore. You don't even know, mm -hmm. or we might find him and he might want nothing to do with you. Mm. Or you might find him and he might be like 100% all in. And like, you have to be prepared emotionally for like any of those situations. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm having to kind of think about my adopted parents, too, because it's like, this has nothing to do with you guys. This is like my own mm. thing. Like, love you guys. This is just like part of my journey. And I think that as a parent adopting a child, you have to understand that, like, that could be part of the process at some point. Totally. And so I said to her, yeah, I think I'm ready to do it. I think I'm emotionally ready. I got like my therapist on standby. Like, <laughs> we're locked and loaded. Like, let's do this. How are you even going to do it? Because this was 10 years ago, and um, even though social media was around, it's not as good as it is even now. Mm -hmm. And so she goes, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, look up his past few known addresses and basically send a letter out to each of them that says, like, hey, we just want to update your information because I can't just put out there, like, hey, your daughter's looking for you. <laughs> Call right. me up. And so she sent out, you know, a couple letters, and she said, okay, Casey, now, like, this is going to be the hard part. Like, I tried to prepare you for if we did contact him like what the scenarios would be so now we we have to prepare you for the possibility possibility that we might not find him at all mm. and so i'm like oh shoot i didn't think about that part either yeah so she sends this letter and then like two weeks later she calls me and she's like 
oh, so he's like ready to get on a plane and come meet you whenever. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't like expecting that option either. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. oh, crap. So at this time, I'm in Spokane and he's in Honolulu. And um, I decide we decide on Seattle being like the meeting place because that's like where I was adopted from. And I could meet with my caseworker there mm. and he could, you know, go there. And it just felt like a very neutral space. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just went by myself, like my parents here. I was just like, I got to do this by myself. This is like, this is kind of like big life stuff that I feel like I just have to kind of experience it because they have their own emotions that are kind of tied up in all of this. And yeah. I just didn't want to want it to get too crazy. So I went and um, I mean, I remember the moment that like we kind of saw each other and I like instantly realized like, holy crap, like I've been his daughter this whole time, but he hasn't been my dad. Mm. So for me, it just kind of felt like a long lost uncle. Yeah. And I remember even like thinking like, I'm never going to call this dude dad. Like, that's weird because he's <laughs> like not my dad, but he looks exactly like me and we're, we're doing a lot of the same mannerisms and we're scary alike in a lot of ways, but I'm not going to call you dad. So anyways, we met in, um, Seattle and, um, from that point on, actually then I said, you know, I'm sure you're, you're really excited. I'm sure you want to call me every single day and catch up on my life and all this kind of stuff. But like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I just wanted to have this moment and now like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, but I mean, that was 10 years ago. And since then, um, I mean, as soon as I turned 18 and I didn't immediately reach out to him, he got married, he had a son and like basically started a new life over. Mm. And, um, and so I found out I have a little brother. And so I met him when he was eight and he's 18 now. And he just started college, um, at the university of Hawaii. And so it's been fun to like kind of watch him grow up. Totally. Wow. I see them like, you know, twice a year and he, he and I talk every now and then, but it just, I think if anything, it just kind of came full circle for me. Mm. And it's like, no, this is like, and he has family in Honolulu who all like welcomed me with open arms. And it was so just like chill and like, Oh, Hey Casey. (laughs) (laughs) Like no time had gone by is is the craziest thing. And so of the options that were kind of presented to me by my social worker, my caseworker, it it was the best one. Right. Yeah. I mean and that's great that you have a relationship with him now. Like that's that's I mean, I I couldn't imagine even having to to deal with that. Like when you find out that this is your dad and like and that he is here, like are the emotions just like did it how how much processing did that take? Like years of talk, pro- like I'm sure I'm sure you're still processing still some of it, but like I'm sure it's a lot easier now. But like, yeah, was it oh a, a flood of emotions immediately? No, it's not as much as I thought it was going to be because I think <laughs> because he had so many emotions. Oh, okay, I think I'm naturally such a fixer that like when I see somebody crying, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what do I need to do? Like, how can I make this better? Right. And so I couldn't even be selfish in that moment and like have my own emotions. But like I said, he, I've always been his daughter, but he hasn't always been my dad. Yeah. And so for me, it was a very like, I, in that moment, I felt like this is more for him than it was for me. Totally. 
Has he been here? Has he come to Spokane? <laughs> he hasn't. No, no, because when he lives in Hawaii, it's like, <laughs> right. why, would, why would he want to come to Spokane? Spok- right. But I, I did take my adopted parents down to Hawaii um, okay. last year to to meet him. Nice. And um, I made it a point, like I... Uh, hired a photographer and we got some really good like beach photos awesome. and like with both sets of you know mm-hmm. of families and and stuff like that and so i have those memories and um and so it just i think that that has really helped shape my identity too um and has solidified that for me spokane is home and for me this is my family because you know it's one thing to meet your biological family but then there's so much um uh like ingrained culture Mm. and traditions and things that i did not grow up with so i'm like i'm so sorry if i'm like offensive all the time to you guys because i just don't understand a lot of the things i don't speak the language Mm. i don't you know know any of the customs or any of just even when it comes to walking through a door and like immediately saying hello to like the oldest person and like Mm. addressing aunts and uncles by like what birth order they were in and like all this, a lot of nuance. Yes. And learning Vietnamese is not like learning Spanish (laughs) and stuff like that. And so it's just, it's a completely different culture. And I think that like where I'm at now in my life personally and professionally, it's like been because of 30, however many years of just trying to figure out like, who am I and where I, where do I belong? Mm. And so like using my Instagram, it's like a fun way to kind of reach out to people who maybe don't feel like they quite know where they belong. Mm. And and I'm not trying to go like super deep on my Instagram either. I'm not like philosophical. (laughs) I'm I'm posting pictures of pizza. You guys, it's not like anything crazy, but it's (laughs) it's just to make the community more accessible. Totally. Absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, that's very important. And like, and I think people hearing the story, like, will make you even more approachable, especially for people who do feel like they're outsiders in Spokane. Like I've, I've met a lot of people who are, that do feel like that like they don't feel like they have someone that they can either look up to or they can't like I, I interviewed um Vanessa Owens. Yeah, I love her. Uh, I love her in real ago. life. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. And and like underrepresented people in Spokane, especially like they they need more people like you doing things like this to the show that 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 they you do exist and that they can exist here in Spokane because yes. the, it's the only way like our culture is going to become more rich in Spokane and more accepting is having people like you doing what you're doing to, to showcase like, this is me and I'm adopted. I'm Vietnamese. <laughs> like it's, and like, and I'm but like, single and, and I'm a professional. <laughs> exactly. And so many different things. Yes. <laughs> and you do have a place here because I think yeah. it's so easy for people to immediately jump to, Casey, why don't you just move to Seattle? Right. (laughs) You're going to find, you know, a relationship. You're going to find better this, better that. And I'm like, well, it's a very deep story, you guys. Do you want to know why I'm not leaving Spokane? Would you like to start in 1888 or whatever? No, it's, well, I mean, that hearing your your great-grandfather's story as well, that's really, really cool. And I, I would love to know more as you know more about him because, like, I think the history of Spokane is something that I'm very passionate about. Like, I mean, the, the people that came here in the, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s who created the city, like, 
you know, they were they were also escaping things as well, you know. Yeah. So it is very interesting. So I, I yeah, this was such a great conversation. I'm sorry if we kind of went all over different places, but it's been um, it's been great getting to get to know you and yeah. learn this learn yeah this is like the definitive episode of uh of casey lawrence (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh and like i it's funny because people like you i see you at at events and like you have you're recognizable because of the podcast and because of social media and because of just like all these things and we have a lot of mutual friends but then until you actually like sit down and have like a conversation like this it's just like you don't really know right yeah no it's true like well, Casey, thank you so much for coming on Spokecast. I'm glad we were able to connect and make this happen. Uh, and uh, I should ask, like, how can anyone follow you on the socials? Yeah, just cool Aunt Casey. Perfect. Try to make it easy. C-O-O-L-A-U-N-T-C-A-S-E-Y. <laughs> um, well, before we leave, I always got to ask one final question. Yeah. And you've kind of already answered it a it's little okay. bit. But it's why Spokane? Why not Spokane? <laughs> um, n- you know, it, it, for all the reasons that we don't want people to move here, too. It's just mm. like, can we just keep it like, you know, th- we love the four seasons. We love that there's no traffic to get anywhere. We love <laughs> that we have a zips like everywhere, um, that there's just good restaurants, good people, good events, cheap parking. Like, what? what is there not to love about Spokane? Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Well, I would recommend everyone to go follow Casey on Instagram and, uh, and ask her where all the... Don't ask her where... Me ask her all the questions, but ask her like where the the holes in the wall are at too. Yes, like yes. I I need more of that. I just know where all the good not the good places. I know where all the the well known places are, and I need to know more of the secret places. Yeah. So yeah, holler. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. Until next time, peace.